0: Okay. Hi, I'm Diana Bosqua I'm in the UK. I'm an insight coach, mental fitness coach, and relationship coach. I do this work because I love people. I want to help them improve their lives in various ways. Today, I'm talking with Jamil. Would you please introduce yourself a little
1: to us? Sure. Thank you so much for having me, Diana. This is great. Thank you for
0: being with us. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And I hope everyone is listening is doing as well as possible, having a great day and looking forward to the holidays that are coming up. And so it's wonderful to be with you all. I think, uh, you know, the question, tell us a little about yourself or who who are you? I feel like it's such a big question that oftentimes we answer it in a way that doesn't really capture who we actually are. And I Mm -hmm. think that we, even with that said, my answer doesn't capture who I actually am, but, but no, I think no, that, what I will say is, what it really comes down to it is I'm someone who loves human beings. and I'm somebody who really lights up and comes alive when I see somebody else excited to be who they are, excited to live their purpose, excited to be just on, to be alive. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that anyone who steps into a helping service type of profession that wants to do that, Like To me, it it doesn't get more divine than that. Like a a type of work that just helps other people spark and just come on and come alive so that they can give their gifts to the world and they can show up as the most powerful version of them. And so I'm somebody who loves to do that. Well, that sounds pretty good.
0: It's definitely a really good answer. (laughs) What made you go into coaching because you started somewhere else, didn't you?
1: Yeah, so... um, Essentially, my story starts in this kind of time frame. When I was 14 years old, Mm -hmm. uh, I got into I didn't call it coaching at the time, but it was it was health coaching in a sense. You know, Mm -hmm. I joined the track and field team. I became a runner and I was getting sick all the time and I didn't know why. And running pretty much exacerbated certain health weaknesses, you could say, that I had. And Mm -hmm. I had a lot of bad habits when it came to my health. And I did some online searching. I read some books and I realized, you know, I had a lot of things that I was doing improperly that was really messing with my health. And so I was kind of patient zero and I worked and experimented on myself and I got a way healthier and I felt better than ever. And I started running faster and certain people noticed and certain people would ask me, Hey, you know, you know, you're doing this and you're getting great results. Like, can you help me with this? And so I'd say, yeah, sure. And then eventually there'd be people that I knew that were, I was 14 and they were, in their twenties and thirties and and forties, maybe asking me advice about their diet and their lifestyle and how they can get off certain medications. Cause I had spent Mm -hmm. a lot of time diving into all that and they started getting healthier and healthier and healthier. And I had certain family doctors that would say, Hey, what are you doing? Because like uh, Mm -hmm. it's working really well. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) we'd love to, you know, figure some of this stuff out. And so that was that initial impetus for me to dive into this, this realm of helping people And Mm -hmm. then I started thinking, what are the other areas that are really fulfilling life? And the areas that came up to me were relationships and business. Yeah. Because I already had the health kind of part covered. And then happiness and spirituality and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, all right, well, just like health, around 15, I dove into relationships and I thought, who are the top marriage therapists, dating coaches, bought their books, bought their products, went through it, studied communication, studied everything I could that they had to offer. And just like Mm -hmm. with the health side, I'd be talking to people and slowly but surely it would happen where, hey, you know, my spouse and I or my partner and I were having some issues and I would be mediating their conversations. And then I'd get a message from them three months later saying, hey, you know, we didn't get a divorce and you were a big part of that, so thank you. And I was 15 and I felt so freaking happy about that. And there was this big inner fire that it was like a constant feedback, positive feedback mechanism where I would learn it because I was interested in it and mm-hmm. then I would share it and they would get benefit and then they would give me praise and then I would want to do it even more. Mm-hmm. And so I did the health side, the relationship side, and then I started, and then I got into the work of Tony Robbins and neuro-linguistic programming and a lot of motivational speakers like Les Brown and people of that nature. Yeah, And i never heard of those people before. And I started watching how they really just spoke life into people. Mm-hmm. Someone like a Les Brown, that's a motivational speaker, like kind of literally doing that. And someone like a Tony Robbins handling more in the NLP psychology realm and as a coach helping people just shift their state shift how they're showing Mm -hmm. up in the world and helping them have new strategies and all these kind of things and that was magnetizing for me I just fell in love with that and so I dove into that with the same kind of ferocity that I had with the other two things and I've done that you know for the last 16 years (laughs) and when I was um,
0: another topic
1: (laughs) yeah yeah so it's like 16 years like it was more like every year, add on to it, instead of like it wasn't like individual years. And so every year I just added on to it, and then around seventeen, I took a world religion class that, you know, blew open my mind to all these different philosophies and religions and spiritual practices that I maybe heard a little bit about, but I never really exposed mm-hmm. myself to intentionally. And it was so beautiful that I went out and over the night, over the last ten years since then.
0: Yeah.
1: So I'm thirty now. I was seventeen. So it's the last uh, thirteen years. He's diving into all the different world religions and reading all the different holy books and spiritual texts and integrating that into the coaching because that's yeah. such a big part of life. Mm-hmm. And there's so much wisdom and truth in those teachings. And so yep. um, that all com- culminated. And when I was 19, I was in my second year of college and uh, university over there, maybe. <laughs> but yeah,
0: anyway, yeah, we call it and, university.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so uh, I'm from the US. <laughs> and so uh, I was 19 years old and my dad had a brain aneurysm. And for anyone's not familiar with what it is, imagine one of the blood vessels in the brain, think of it like a tube and imagine a part of it kind of balloons out. And if you're fortunate, you have the worst headache of your life and then you go get it clipped and you're good. My Mm -hmm. dad wasn't as fortunate and his ruptured. And he was in a four hour brain surgery. And we were told that it was the worst aneurysm the neurosurgeon ever saw. And he put the survival chance at less than 5%. And I had a lot of medical people in my family who were trying to be supportive, but their way of doing that was like, let me prepare you by telling you that he's not going to make it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was 19, but at any age, you don't want to hear that. Right. And no, so not. I was sitting there trying to be hopeful for my mom, and my sister mm-hmm. and be strong for them and holding back all my emotion. And right. I'm being told these things. And so that wasn't what I wanted to hear. And then four hours went by and we were told he probably wasn't going to survive. And he did. And he was in a coma. And I walked into this room already, it was like gratitude, because it's like mm-hmm. this miracle that he's alive. He was already like the 5% or less, let's say. Mm-hmm. And he was in a coma. And my dad, you know, he was what it, the epitome of what it meant to be a man for me. He was, okay. I looked up to him. He was such an, a beautiful soul. And he loved life. And he had so many different passions.
0: Yeah. And
1: he loved people. And there was, a, he was a physician himself. And he was also one of the top Elvis impersonators in the world. Oh, wow. And music was his passion. And Mm -hmm. for him, he was a drummer since he was a kid. He was all state, all county, all those kind of things. And then he got into the Elvis stuff and he traveled the globe with Elvis's band and he did tours with them. And like, he was well-known in that space. And he he would joke that um, my colleagues have golf, I have Elvis. And so he would do these big shows for charity and it was wonderful to see. And so music was such a big part of our life. Mm -hmm. And I share that because I'm giving you this like visual of this guy that had so much energy, so much life. He would be on stage doing all these things in mm-hmm. his free time. And then there he was in this hospital bed in a coma. Yeah. And you know, he didn't wear a wig or anything. He had like the elvis kind of hair. He grew that out. Mm-hmm. And now it's like his head was shaved, and the brain surgery. And so the visual was really graphic and it was very hard to see. Yeah. And in that moment, there were two things that I predominantly experienced. I experienced a sense of helplessness because there wasn't anything I could do Mm -hmm. because we were told he was in this really critical, fragile place and he could die at any moment. And so from that place, it felt like I wanna do something, but all I can do is kind of just be with him in that moment. Coupled with, I felt this regret, this regret because I felt like I took my relationship with him for granted. Mm -hmm. He was 49, I was 19. And my mindset was where I think a lot of people are. Most, Most of us don't really reflect on our own mortality. Most of mm-hmm. us don't really think about the impermanence of life. Yes. And so from that place, my 19 year old self is thinking, oh, you know, he's 49. I'll have another 30, 40, 50 years with him. Yeah. Not thinking, yeah. oh yeah, this Sunday, it, it could be the last time.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, in that moment, there's a lot of regret. Mm-hmm. And over the next three years, before he did end up passing away, but over the next three years, we helped him make almost a full recovery. And so much of what I learned from 14 to 19
0: mm-hmm.
1: in health, in psychology, in
0: mm-hmm. my own
1: emotional maturity, helped me to help him. And it was amazing that he started getting healthier and healthier and healthier. He got off a lot of his medication. He had short-term memory problems and those started to improve. And that was really, really wow. beautiful. Yeah. And at the same time, though, you know, I experienced you know my highest highs and my lowest lows. The highest mm-hmm. highs being there I was in that hospital regretting. I didn't spend the time that I wish I could have, and now I'm not gonna have my chance. Yeah. And then I had three years of spending almost 10 hours, 15 hours a day with him That's and doing everything. And he became one of my best friends. That's and in that, in that sense, it was, it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, in other senses, there were moments where that short-term memory created immense frustration. There were moments where we did something really beautiful with him and for him, and it was a birthday or something. Mm-hmm. And then an hour later, he completely forgot the whole thing. Oh, that is and then we would be arguing with him
0: yeah.
1: that it happened. And obviously it's not his fault. No. and But we were just arguing because it's like our egos didn't want to know and admit that maybe this was as good as he was going to get, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, there was moments where he forgot who I was. And I remember that after spending, you know, that much time with him on a day-to-day basis, I took two years off after university to be mm-hmm. one of his primary caregivers. Mm-hmm. And... Anyone as a primary caregiver knows there's so much physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual like taxing that does on you. It yeah. can be very draining if you don't take care of yourself. Yes. You know, my dad was in a condition where he couldn't be left by himself because it, he could yeah. lose his balance. He could fall. He could hit his head. He, all these things could like happen, and he was prone yeah. to seizures after the aneurysm. Oh yeah. And so there were so many moments where he came close to dying. He's in my yeah. arms, and in that those three years though, I just learned so much about myself, about life. I still wanted to do medicine. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I was inspired by my dad, a lot of my uncles to do that at an early age. And, um, I still didn't really have a, once I got exposed to Tony Robbins, I had an idea what a coach was
0: mm-hmm. and the
1: idea was, well, I want to do that, but I do still want to be a doctor. I'll find a way to like merge those two. Yeah. And then after the three years, my dad passed and I remember being at his wake And it was five hours long and over 7,000 people came and and I shook every single one of their hands and almost everybody said, your dad saved my life. Oh, wow. And I just remember people coming up to the casket from different religions, different faiths and everything and asking, like, can I do this? And and so much love was outpouring for this man. And there was this moment of just realization that Mm -hmm. I had been playing small in my life, that I cared way too much about what other people thought about me. Yeah. that I was afraid of rejection mm-hmm. and that I was really robbing the world. You know, I, I, I see it as each of us have this divine spark in us, this light that's unique to us yeah. and it's something that only we can offer. But the thing is that what most of us do out of fear and security, all these things, mm-hmm. we block our light and we try to be somebody else. Yeah. We try to be who other, we think other people expect us to be or want to be yeah. or who we're supposed to be.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I was doing that too and there was that awakening in that moment of just never again Mm -hmm. and from that place you know life really shifted for me and after he passed i gave myself time and i said you know what i've experienced a lot of death in my life and i don't i didn't want to suppress anything i saw Mm -hmm. a lot of people do that and you know to each his own it's their choice and i just saw the negative effects of that and i didn't want to do that in my own life and so for me I just allowed myself to feel every emotion after yeah. that to uh, release it, cry, do whatever I needed to do. And I didn't, time it, but it ended up being, you know, about two weeks and two weeks later, I woke up with such a peace and there mm-hmm. was this deep gratitude and appreciation that yeah. I knew him at all and that I had him in my life and that an acceptance of what had mm-hmm. occurred. Yeah. Without any resistance, and that felt so light and love and beautiful for me. And then, since that moment, you know, that state has, for the most part, stayed there, and that's been really beautiful. Yes. And I um, stayed home with my family for about six months to a year to kind of be with them, help them as we transitioned into a new mm-hmm. way of life, a new chapter. Yes. And then I moved to Arizona and I spent five years there in medical school. And you know. It was such a beautiful chapter of my life and matured in so many ways, learned so many things, got exposed to so many things that deepened my coaching practice and deepened. At that point, I was actually calling it coaching and I was doing it. Mm -hmm. And um, in my final year, I I made the the commitment to myself that I want to do what really lights me up and I want to do what I love more than anything. And it is coaching. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to find a way combine the medicine but i'm not going to practice medicine in the way that my colleagues are yeah and so graduated (coughs) full full on into my business Mm -hmm. because up until that point i'd been doing it for free and i turned it into a business after i graduated with a week after i graduated (laughs) med school and then uh it's been about three years since then and it has been a wild ride it's been so beautiful to you know very fortunate to work with clients from around the world people who leaders and high performers people who want to make an impact they want to make a difference they want to do and be the best they can at the things that matter most to them and they might show up because they want to make more money they might show up because they're not happy they're not fulfilled they -hmm. might show up because they want to improve their relationship they have a vision a goal a dream they want to work on that but whatever the case may be really helping them come alive again and show up as that full version of themselves that's been my gift that i've been able to experience and it's also the gift that i've been able to give and that is uh probably the short to medium version of my of my story
0: beautiful story it is a beautiful story and in some ways even relatable
1: (laughs) i appreciate it yeah
0: um what has been your most profound experience with coaching for yourself because i'm
1: sure you've been coached yeah (laughs) you all have (laughs) my most profound experience in my coaching and for yourself. yeah 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 for myself but but I want to extend it because this applies to anybody whether they're it's coaching or not okay when I when I chose to hire my first coach
0: mm-hmm.
1: it was a fee that I was not comfortable paying because it was way more than I'd ever invested in myself <laughs> and prior to making that investment I definitely had hesitation
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I sat with it and I was on the call with this guy and he was already a friend to a certain degree,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I, you know, I chose to do it. And what I noticed is right after I made that investment, my business, you know, I hired him as a business coach because my business wasn't doing well. And uh, within days,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I, I felt my, I, I hadn't even had a session with him yet. Within days, just making that investment in myself I felt this level of commitment show up in me that I'd never experienced before. There was a degree of seriousness that, or sincerity rather, that I I like that word more, sincerity that I devoted to my business where I started showing up in a way that I hadn't. And all the reasons why my business wasn't successful became really obvious. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, fast forward four or five months into working with him, and my business has already grown like four times since i since the previous year. Yep. And it was so and i the reason why i say it extends out is cuz for me investing in my own coaching made the biggest difference cuz it was an investment in me. Yep. Also whether it's coaching or not anyone who's listening committing to something fully. You know usually it takes finances to do that but even mm-hmm. if it doesn't committing to it and going all in on something, yes. it is, and to the point where there's something at stake. When, it, when, the, when you've got money on the line, you typically pay more attention. But if it's not money, it's like, you know, you put peer accountability, you tell people you're gonna do something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you don't do it now, it kind of negatively reflects on you. And so from that place of making a commitment that matters, it is amazing how your life can transform in a powerful way. Yep. And most of the time I find that we don't make commitments, we're just, we have preferences, we're interested. But we all make commitments, and that was an example for me of making a commitment you know as a quick story, you know I think a, a mentor of mine who I, I think potentially is a mentor of yours as well uh, Steve Chandler, he's a coach and he and he tells this really great story that I think is really relevant here where he mm-hmm. says jFK John F Kennedy, a president in the United States in the past, he when he was younger, he was at part of this school they had a uniform and there was a little hat as part of the uniform and you had to like wear the full uniform or you got in trouble. Mm -hmm. And if you came home without like your uniform or parts of your uniform, your mom would kill you. You know, (laughs) it's like, that was just like how it was. And there was this wall that him and his classmates always wanted to climb but nobody was ever able to climb it. Mm -hmm. And so what he did is he looked at the wall and everyone basically had already defined it as it's impossible to climb. And -hmm. he took his hat and he threw it over the wall. So now you know, he knows now I can't go home without that hat. Yeah. <laughs> and he found a way to get over the wall. And the, you know, in like, it also reminds me in the Christian Bale, like Batman movies in the last one, I think. It's like he's in the giant prison in the well. They goes like deep down and everyone's trying to get out. And the only way out is you climb up and then there's this one part where you got to do this running jump, which is really wide to get to the other side. And mm-hmm. if you make that jump, you're probably going to get out but no one's ever got out except for this one little kid. And the difference was, if you don't make that jump, you're gonna die. And so what everybody does is they tie this rope around their like waist. So if they jump and they miss, they don't die. They'll just be hanging and then they'll pull them down. But the boy who did it didn't have a rope. And so there's this um, perspective where Christian Bale, Batman's character, he tries to do it multiple times. He fails. And as he's sitting <clears> in his jail cell, mm-hmm. the other guy next to him says, if you want to make it out, do it, do it like the child did. And then he says, without the rope. Because when you go without the rope, it's do or die. Yep. You, are, you are going to show up as fully as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. And from that perspective, it's really wise too, because it's like saying, look, you're not going to make it out of here, trying with that rope. And so you either try it fully, and maybe die, or you just stay here and die. And in that same way, in each of our own lives, if you don't make the commitment to do what you say you wanna do, if you don't make the commitment in yourself to turn into the person and become the person that you could be, yeah. you do die. It's like a spiritual suicide. Yes. You die as you could be. You, the dream that is in you, that has been given to you, if you wanna say it that way, dies. It can't become manifest because you're not stepping into that version of you. And so that that was the most profound um, of my coaching personally. And I hope that it was relevant for others in that sense.
0: Oh, I'm sure. Definitely for coaches, because I've I've experienced that as well. Yeah, I um, I ended up investing in a coach last year. that I I have no idea how to pay him. (laughs) I did. (laughs) It was literally I've done it again end of last year i've done it again there i had to say i have no idea where the money's going to come from and i didn't want to know what he was going to charge i'll hear next year
1: (laughs) and and, and that's the thing what you just said it's i don't know because a lot of people might might think that no matter what they're investing in i don't know where the money's going to come from but notice that it will come if it will come and if you want it enough you'll find a way to make it happen Mm -hmm. you know a quick story if i may share sure two things one you know, I, one of my past clients, amazing woman, mm-hmm. she, she took loans out to work with me because she didn't oh, have wow. money. And then in my own life, when I uh, was getting trained in neurolinguistic programming, mm-hmm. I did the, the general certification first. Yeah. And it was such a beautiful experience. And they had like the upsell, which is like this deeper, more profound training,
0: mm-hmm.
1: way more expensive than the first one. Of course. And I, I had wanted to do that training. I, I think I was 27 when I did it. I wanted to do that training since I was 15.
0: Okay.
1: And well, it's about time. And I sat there, exactly. I sat there thinking, I need to do this, right? Mm-hmm. So, I, and I want everyone to hear this in a way that the story is not about me. The story is about you. Because when you listen to this story, put yourself in this position, but just change the details, obviously. It won't be an NLP mm-hmm. conference. It'll be something. Yeah. But this was the point. I go to the back room and there's this lady who's running the show and she says, are you interested in doing the training? And I say, absolutely. But I need a payment plan because I can't afford that. And she goes, all right, yeah, we have a payment plan. Here's the payment plan. And I look at it and I go, I still can't afford that. And I said, but I really want to do this. Uh, Can I come up with a different payment plan? So notice right there, I'm already like it's not even like negotiate. I'm gonna pay you the full price, but can I pay it in my own way? Because I can't pay it that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wanted it. And so the lady goes, well, well, what do you have in mind? And I'm like, well, let me sit with it for, for during lunch and I'll come up with something. And I came up with something which I wouldn't have been able to do long-term. Like mm-hmm. well, what I came up with was, all right, I've got six months to pay this off. If they give me these first two months at a lower payment, I can pay those two and then I have no idea how I'm gonna pay the last four, but I need to make some magic happen. <laughs> but, but I got 60 days to do it. I've got two months. That's enough. <laughs> and so, yeah, so, uh, that was, so I go back to the woman and I say, this is what I, I can do. And she looks at it and she goes, let me run it by like my, my, my boss, my manager, and I'll let you know in like an hour. She comes back and she goes, my manager says we can't do that. But the thing was, she had already told me, okay she goes, because I told my manager that I said yes to you, he said it's okay for you. And so the thing was, but I had to put down like $2,000 as a down payment. And I didn't have it. I was, I was a student, I was in med school. I was living on loans and debt and all that stuff. And I sat there thinking, all right, I called people. I got like a loan from this person. I paid them all back. I put that little bit down myself that I had. And, and then I, I make the investment. And initially I'm like a little scared because I sit there thinking I'm excited. I'm like, Oh my God, like it's November and the training's in July. And I sat there thinking I'm going to do it. And then it hits me that the first two payments come out and now it's January. And so now the January I'm, I'm like, all right, if I don't bring on clients this month, I can't pay my rent because the monthly payment was more than my rent. And, uh, I committed to my business and I committed mm-hmm. to showing up powerfully for people. And I brought on two clients that week. They paid for everything. And then July come, June comes around, because we have to be paid up, so you, you gotta be paid in full before it starts. And June comes around, I make my last payment. And initially, I'm so proud of myself. You know, I did it. Like, I found a way to come up with the money for something mm-hmm. that I really wanna do versus what most people do is say, I can't afford it, but then don't allow themselves to be creative and find a way to afford it. Yep. and. Then it hits me, this training is two weeks long, eight hours a day, every day in a different state. So I need to live somewhere. Yeah. So then I said, I didn't think about that. And now I need to come up with the money for housing. <laughs> and I, I, I brought out a new client that week, I made it happen and I did the training and that training not only was a training valuable and powerful by itself, Mm -hmm. It was so much more powerful because when I walked through those doors, I was the youngest person in that training. And I am, I was only there because I made it happen. yeah. And because I invested so much into that training with time, energy, stress, everything, (laughs) I really paid attention. I got so much out of it. And just being in that training, two weeks go by, I do all that stuff. Fast forward. I have made back the investment in that training like 10, 15 times over, and it's only been a few years since.
0: Yeah. And the
1: thing is, but that's how every investment is, when, no matter yeah. what it is. You invest in yourself, it comes back. Yeah. And so many people, again, anyone who's listening, there's something that you want to invest in, whether you can invest your time in it, you can invest, mm-hmm. you want to learn something, you want to grow in a certain way, you can invest your money in it, you mm-hmm. can invest your energy in it, you can invest all three, but whatever the case may be, when you make that commitment that you think you can't, can't is a very like self-destructive word yeah. because can't takes away your creativity and your power as a creator. It's more, li- it's more powerful to say, it's not, I can't afford it. It's I'm not willing to do what it takes to afford it. I'm not willing to find a way. That's I had a client who had no money. You took out a loan to work with me. Like I said, she didn't have the money. She found the money mm-hmm. in that same way. We could all do that. Most people live in a in a home. If they have a home, let's say like a house. It's mortgaged. And they don't have the money, let's say, to pay for that house up front. They have a mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> Who does? <laughs> in that same way. You don't say, Oh, well, I guess I can't live there because I don't have the full payment for the whole thing. No, you pay, you figure out a way to finance it. And it's like so many investments would be willing to do that. Mm-hmm. And it's like so many of us, we discount ourselves. One of my book mentors Robert Kiyosaki wrote rich dad poor dad and all these different financial literacy books he talks about growing up he his rich dad would tell him stop saying i can't afford it and start saying how can i afford it start asking yourself questions you know what can i do yeah. what can i stop paying for that is mm-hmm. draining my money that's not serving me mm-hmm. because you're you're most of us are, I have friends who've told me that they had like three or four monthly subscription services that they forgot about, that they haven't used in three years that they've been paying for for three years.
0: Why do you still have it then?
1: That's my point. And so it's like, you know, you can look at your life and see, wow, where's the money that I'm already making and spending that maybe I can transfer some of that and not use that anymore. Where is some places like I have to get new clients. Maybe you mm-hmm. work extra hours at a place you work at. Maybe you do whatever. But when you get creative, how can I make this work? It's such an empowering place to be yes. because when you do it, when you figure out a way like I did mm-hmm. with that training, I now have direct proof in my life that I can do that. If I don't mm-hmm. have money, I can find a way to get it yep. because I've done it before. Yep. That is such a powerful knowing in me. It's not even a belief, I've done it, I know it. Mm-hmm. But if you haven't done it, yeah. then it's easy to be in doubt. It's easy to be in, I don't know if I can do this. Yep. And so, I think that's just one of the most powerful things we can do.
0: Yep. I recently had a very similar experience where I thought, I can never ask you. Well, yes, I can. A mm. little jump on it. It <laughs> was really, the, those kind of moments, they are the best because they just change you. Mm. Change, change you. Yeah. Cool stuff. Um, what has been the most profound experience you've had with a client with coaching? Mm. One of these major breakthroughs. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah so there's um there are i'm blessed to say there are many and the one that i'd say the one that stands out the most not that it's like better or worse but the idea of how profound it was yeah if anyone the met- the way i like to metaphorically describe it have you ever seen the movie inception
0: i don't think so
1: it's the Christopher Nolan, he's the director, and uh, Leo DiCaprio, the actor, but anyone who's seen it, the premise, because this is related to what my answer is, the premise, you can go into somebody's dream Mm -hmm. and you can plant some seeds, seeds being a thought or something of that nature that will spread. And all of a sudden they wake up from the dream state and they start seeing life differently, believing a different thing. And Mm -hmm. if you planted something in their dream, that maybe they now think is theirs, right? That's the premise of the movie. And there's a whole phenomenal movie if anyone, I recommend it. But the point being, yeah. I do a lot of guided visualization. I did that before I was in my coaching Mm -hmm. business and I really loved that. And it wasn't, I never had to prepare it. It was just, I would Mm -hmm. be in a flow state. I would just be present. You could call it channeling something. I was just there. And Mm -hmm. I would have this person close their eyes and then they would share with me prior in a conversation their goals and dreams, their fears, their struggles, their traumas, their whatever. Mm-hmm. And maybe 20 minutes, maybe 40 minutes, maybe an hour, whatever the case may be. Cause I wasn't, it was making it up on the spot. So I wasn't like timing it. It was complete. Mm-hmm. It was complete. They would close their eyes and I would build this world in their mind and take them through this process. And it was so fun in the sense that I felt so alive and present. Yeah. Cause there was this excitement of I have no idea what I'm going to say in the next second. And mm-hmm. I complete, completely had faith and trust that I'd figure it out. And that allowed me to really go deep with people. and there was, and you know, that was prior to my coaching business. And so now I have my coaching business. I use the visualizations when necessary, and there's a lot of mm-hmm. NLP stuff with the visuals. But in this one woman, she was a patient of mine
0: because mm-hmm. I'd
1: practiced for a little bit before I went full on into my coaching. And um, we had, she had an autoimmune disease and we did this visualization. Yeah. And she had told me that she had some significant you know, fears and traumas around certain things that on the surface appeared like they had nothing to do with mm-hmm. the condition.
0: Yeah.
1: But I had enough book knowledge, but also some life experience to know that those two things are related. Mm-hmm. And when I took her through this 40, 45 minute kind of guided meditation, guided visualization, helped her release that fear, reach forgiveness, do all these things. She came out of that. She looked like a completely different person. Her autoimmune disease was manifesting as like extreme pain, Mm -hmm. like eight out of 10 in her body, like all the time for 13 years. And she had no pain. Mm -hmm. She came back a week later, no pain all week. First Uh time with no pain on no medications, And she felt so free and there was many other aspects of her life that physically that improved, but that was, she's been seeing doctors with pain management, medications, injections, all these kinds of things and nothing really worked. And that 40 minutes and it's gone. And that to me was, that is a transformation that I will never forget, seeing the look on her face Mm-hmm. When I was like, you know, how's your pain? And she's like, what, what, what pain? Like, I don't, I don't have any. And it's like, and she was so thankful and gave me a big hug and she was crying. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had colleagues that were like, how the hell did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> and it's not something you learn as a doctor. And it's like, no. but it, it was, uh, it was deeply, be- I'm, I have some tears in my eyes. And I was like, that was really beautiful. And so it's like that mm-hmm. experience stands out to me um, mm-hmm. as like probably the single most impactful. But outside of that, somebody releasing weight, whether it be part of the NLP training, it's called mental emotional release. And part of that, you know, some people call it timeline therapy. It's got different names, but it's like this idea being helping somebody figure out what are the moments in their life where these emotional traumas, these stuck emotional energies, like whatever it is, something that's still keeping you stuck now. And it might be, you know, during your lifetime, but it's very interesting how oftentimes people say, because hypnosis is involved in it. And people, and I have some hypnotherapy background. And if people will say, oh, it was during my birth. Or it was when I was in the womb. Or mm-hmm. it was before I was born, like a past life. And it's very interesting that I didn't believe in that prior mm-hmm. to getting trained in it. And then when I had the process done on me, yeah. I answered it was before my birth. And we went deep. And I didn't even know what I was I didn't have a memory of it, but I had a feeling of it. And there was this like heaviness and there was all this. And I was just going with the process. I didn't know what the hell was Mm -hmm. going on. And then it released. And I was like, I had tears in my eyes and I felt light. And I was like, I don't even know what just happened. And it was amazing. (laughs) And since being trained in that and providing that service for people, usually I do it before the coaching because it kind of creates a a strong foundation to build off of because you've Mm -hmm. released all the emotional baggage from the past. And I've had some people have some wild and profound experiences, releasing some things that they didn't know were there. And mm-hmm. similar to that other woman, when they get released, they are just so lit up. They look younger. Their yeah. eyes are more like life in them. And I just sat there going, yeah. I-, I love this. And, like, and mm-hmm. so that is, um, yeah, I'll stop it there. Cause there's so many stories, but like <laughs> it's, it's beautiful. Yes, profession that you're in
0: it is you're you're combining stuff that makes it even more impressive but <laughs> well, you have another chance of telling a good story because what was the most interesting thing that you learned from a client
1: mm.
0: <laughs> you may have two stories maybe yeah three. or five you know eight. And yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, let me think I, give me a moment because it's an interesting it's a, it's, the word interesting was in it but it's an interesting question most interesting thing i learned from a client yeah I know we all learn from them no absolutely um it's the first thing that came to mind which mm-hmm. i think is really interesting and valuable okay. when we're with somebody else if we are really present yes they can serve as a, a mirror they do for us yes and i think being with clients over the years especially when I was doing it for free, if we count those years, it's been 16 years. And in that time frame, I've definitely enhanced my ability to listen and to be mm-hmm. present to be yeah. with, with people. But I used to be the person that would interrupt you like crazy, that would not listen. And that was me when I was younger. And getting to be with people and have them just reflect to me by mm-hmm. who they're being, by their responses, both verbally and, body language, how I am coming across and how I'm Mm -hmm. communicating and being able to now know as I'm with somebody when I need to adjust and they don't have to say anything because I know that I am being something that is not serving this person in this moment. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is the first thing that came to mind that is most interesting because being with others in a way that was very deep and profound and a creating that safe space that they can be themselves and open up and with no judgment on my end, mm-hmm. that required me to learn a lot about myself. And yeah. I learned so much from each of my clients. And in that sense, every one of my clients is you know, my greatest teacher. Yeah. And so that was the first thing that came up when you, mm-hmm. when you asked me that. Of course, I've learned things individually from people that was something that, like they taught me, but I feel like that was probably the most powerful lesson.
0: wait there is I it froze it. for a
1: moment but i hear you now
0: yeah okay good i saw that it was unstable for a moment yeah it happens yeah there are a lot of people talking with a lot of people on zoom yeah do you have anything else that you would like to share okay cool go for it <laughs> hmm.
1: is there anything that would be specifically helpful that you believe for the, the listeners or just kind of free reign, take I think, it however I, however I want it. All right. Yeah, um, free
0: it's about you today, yeah. not about a client. It's about you.
1: <laughs> I mean, if anything probably, I think it's probably like the most powerful recommendation, whatever you want to call it, recommendation, advice, whatever that I could provide mm-hmm. sounds so generic. And yet it's some of the most powerful wisdom and advice I've ever received. When I actually applied it, when I actually took it to yeah. heart. And I think that most of us we hear certain phrases and we think, oh, you know, that's a cliche. <laughs> As in like it's not true, or I know that already. Mm-hmm. But things that are cliched are almost always like the most true things. It's just we just let them kind of fall by the wayside because we, we know them intellectually. Yeah. Or even never living them from a hard place. Mm-hmm. And so for anyone who's listening, The best advice I could ever share is be you. You know, when I think about that experience with my dad and when I was 19 and the -hmm. regret, and then after he passed at the wake and recognizing I was afraid of rejection and all those things I mentioned.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Every single one of us, you know, Jim Carrey's got this great line that I love where he says, paraphrasing it, depression is when your soul, he says your avatar, but either way, your soul is sick and tired of playing the character you're forcing it to play. This idea that yes, if you're not makes happy. so much sense. Yeah, this idea that if you're not happy, if you're not fulfilled, if you're not excited for life, check mm-hmm. in because you're probably holding back. And yeah. you, you might have been doing it your whole life to the point where you're not even aware of it. Mm-hmm. But you are potential, not you, but you, anyone who's no, listening.
0: Yeah,
1: no, no, potential. I
0: personally take it to heart as well. Because <laughs> <of that.
1: laughs> yeah, but it's like anyone who's listening, there's a very good chance that there's areas in your life That you are being very inauthentic and i don't say that with any judgment i say that with nothing but love because if you were to be authentic if you were to actually be you you were to make decisions based on what excites you based on what calls to your heart what lights your spirit on fire that kind of stuff
0: Mm -hmm.
1: not only would your level of success across the board because success isn't just like finances it's so many things but your level of success across the board would improve all of your relationships would improve because the ones that actually matter, the ones that are going to stick with you, they want to see you more alive. They want to see you love in life and you want to see you love in life. And you can't make a meaningful impact on the world if you can't make a meaningful impact on yourself. Mm-hmm. And if you can't make, you know, one of this kind of expressions I came up with that I really like is I would, I would say to clients, create a meaningful day or create a meaningful life. Mm -hmm. And when I say create a a meaningful life, somebody might respond with, how do I do that? And I might say, you create a meaningful life by creating a meaningful day. And you create a meaningful day by making a meaningful decision in this moment. Meaningful meaning. It's moving you closer in the direction that you would like to go in. It's meaningful for you. It matters to some degree. Mm -hmm. And when you make a meaningful decision in this moment and you do it again and again and again, you, yeah. create a, excuse me, you create a meaningful day mm-hmm. and when you go to sleep at night, right before you doze off, there's this degree of fulfillment and happiness about, you know, what a day, like that was living, you know, mm-hmm. whether it was contribution to other people, contribution to yourself, whatever you were doing.
0: Yeah.
1: Which is funny too, because when you contribute to yourself in this way, you're contributing to others others automatically yeah. because that energy that we all feed off of, you're just lighting people up by being you, you know? And so with that in mind, you do enough of those days, you create a meaningful life. It's, you don't mm-hmm. have to think about the life, think about the moment. And when you look at your life, especially with new year's coming, you know, even though it's, it's more like metaphorical, a day is a day, but yeah. new year's is coming, representative of this new calendar year. And from that place, look at your life, reflect on the year. What are you absolutely in love with and what could use some fixing? What could use some letting go of? What isn't serving you anymore? It might've served you in the past, doesn't mean it's good for you now. And as you look toward the future, what do you wanna be different in 2021? And then once you get clear on all those things across the board in your life, the only way life is different is if you become different. You need to call, You need to go first. And so from that perspective, be yourself, get crystal clear on what's working and what's not working. What's meaningful and what's not what serves you and what doesn't Mm -hmm. and actually choose to live that life that you say you want because for most of us there's who we're capable of being and there's who we're actually being and there's a gap
0: yeah and
1: so the question ultimately is why why is there a gap why are you capable of 10 out of 10 and you're showing up at a four like your family doesn't deserve that your clients don't deserve that you don't deserve that why are you half-assing it why are you showing up like as if the most important thing in your life is the least important thing. Yes. You know, when somebody says, this is my goal, I want this. And I say, all right, great. How long has that been your goal for? And you tell me, oh, six months. And I might say, wonderful, what's been your progress? And you say, I haven't made any. Well, it's because you don't actually want it. Mm -hmm. You're lying to yourself. You're interested in it, you're not committed to it. And again, no judgment. I say that with love if I don't say it, you're going to keep BSing yourself. And so, so from this position of lovingly you know, confronting somebody, you know, a mentor of mine calls it care fronting. I like that. Lovingly care fronting somebody for them, being a mirror, calling the best out of you. And that's what I love to do with my clients and helping them open up to a new way of living. And everyone yeah. who's listening, no matter how good your experience of life is, because you might be listening, thinking my life is great, wonderful and it could be greater. You know, yeah. you could help, help others make their life greater. There's so much we yeah. can do in our lifetime. You know, there's a quote by the Dalai Lama that my dad's story always brings up in my mind where he says, most people live as if they're never gonna die and then they die having never really lived.
0: Yes. And
1: when we show up with this energy yes. that I'm gonna be around forever, when we show up with this energy that I have time, then you mm-hmm. procrastinate, put things off, you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and you're reflecting on the dreams that you had when you were 20 and 30 and 40, and you kept putting it off and you never did it. Oh, I always wanted to go to that place, and then you never did it. I know you're someone who's very well-traveled. You know, it's like, you know, you wanna go somewhere, go. You know, like there's ways to make it happen. And it's like, in that, but you gotta choose. And so it's like in that same way, are you, ask yourself, am I living my life as if I'm never gonna die? Is there a sense of urgency in my life? Because when I was 19 and dad had that aneurysm, there was a moment there of, oh yeah, I've heard this before, but I felt it and I knew it finally that not only am I gonna die and everyone's gonna die, at least physically, Mm -hmm. but I don't know when that moment's gonna come. And in those three years, two of my cousins passed away. One was, I was 19, one of them was 20 and one of them was 21. And if you spoke to either of those people, when they were, let's say, 17, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and say, tell me about your life, what you want it to look like, I guarantee you neither one would think they'd be dead in under five years. And so from that perspective, I ask everyone listening, Mm -hmm. how much time do you have left? You don't know. And you have no idea. Mm
0: -hmm. And so now,
1: what are you gonna do with that information? You're gonna keep wasting it? Or are you gonna know that every day I wake up, 150,000 people didn't wake up on the planet mm-hmm. and you weren't one of them. And so you had at least today. Yeah. And if you're fortunate, and let's say the people that you love most, they're, they're, they're waking up too, you hit the lotto from the get-go. Yep. And yep. so from that place, live. Actually live your life. Stop existing. Yep. And that is the number one piece of advice that I could give anybody. Because yeah. when you come alive, the whole world benefits. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I can relate to that. I had two friends die young and my dad dies, died young. So I had this thing of, yeah, life's too short. Gotta yeah. do it now. Yeah. Doesn't mean I always have. Yeah, yeah.
1: And likewise, me, me neither. There's moments, where, but the key is every day is a recommitment. Yeah. You don't make a commitment once. You make a commitment and then the next day, do I still want this? Do I still want this? Mm-hmm. And if answer yes, keep choosing it. Keep yeah. choosing it. You know, there's a distinction I make between wanting and choosing, which is why I said earlier, oh, you had to go for six months and you still don't have it because you don't want it. It's because when you say, or you're not committed to it, rather, when you say, I want it, wanting without being backed up by action is just wishing. Yep. Actual choosing. Yep. Is a decision. There's action. Yep. You get it, whatever it is. And um, maybe there's that person that you want to be in a relationship with. You want to ask them out. Maybe there's that place you want to travel to can be small mm-hmm. things. It's that new restaurant you wanted to go to for like eight years that you've never gone to and you walk by it every day. You know, <laughs> there's that whatever that you want to do. It's like, go do it. Stop mm-hmm. waiting. You know, that program you wanted to do, certification you wanted to do. You wanted to go back to school. You wanted to learn something new. You wanted to learn a new language. I know you also speak like an amazing number of languages. Like You're <laughs> a perfect example of, of someone that actually practices this. And when we can all <laughs> show up in that way and do yeah. you not only be you, but like, do you. Do mm-hmm. life your way. Like, don't try to live mm-hmm. somebody else's life. Don't try to live up to expectations of other people. Yeah, don't do- it Starts hurting you someone thinking. else's life.
0: Yeah. yeah,
1: and so again, if you're listening and there's a part of you, I, I, I can kind of finish this part with this part. I had a client message me last week and she said, how mm-hmm. do I know when it's time to change? And I said, when you ask that question, if anyone's listening, oh, I'm waiting for a sign to change. The, the waiting of, for the sign, like that's the sign. The <laughs> fact that you're just waiting there. You, wait. you know, there's a, I, I mentioned Jim Carrey, you know, the Jim Carrey movie that I watched when I was younger, I loved it called Bruce Almighty, where you know, he played- Yeah, his, I know that one. And uh, in that movie, in the beginning, he's driving, I think he's in the rain, yeah, he's driving in the rain and he's really pissed off. And he says, God, you know, give me a sign. And this truck pulls up in front of him with a million like road signs in the back saying, turn mm-hmm. around, slow down, like wet road, like all these things. And he's so disconnected from the moment that he's <laughs> like, what is this joker doing? Cause the guy's slowing down in front of him. Mm-hmm. So he speeds around him and he ends up like crashing. And the thing was mm-hmm. like, give me a sign. Yeah. That was the sign, like literally. And in our <laughs> lives, it's like, give me a sign. The fact that you're feeling this you're, you're feeling out of alignment you're feeling like i don't something's not right that's yeah. the sign like, mm-hmm. do something about it and once yeah. you do that like life ignites in such a beautiful way yes it does well i can
0: say thank you for this coaching session because this was quite good <laughs> i really enjoyed it and i think i uh had a couple of moments where i thought ah, i can do better <laughs>
1: I, that. I hope everyone listening there's something that they took and my strongest strongest hopeful recommendation for anyone listening don't just listen to this like it's like a, like anything that you listen to in general yeah. most people don't listen to this and then go out go about your day like nothing changed listen listen again take notes apply actually take action
0: yeah, do that something.
1: Your life will actually change forevermore in a beautiful way. Yeah, and this podcast, this uh, Facebook Live with Deanna, will absolutely change your whole life. You just it will need to also it. be a podcast,
0: so don't worry about it. They it's got to be everywhere. Uh, I literally I have a have a sticky note there that says "Do something" because <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's <just> something <laughs> I need to remind myself of every now and then uh, to do something. So wonderful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Anything else or is this, has this been good for you?
1: So this has been wonderful. I I come alive speaking about this stuff. And so I uh, appreciate the the space and the opportunity and I'm glad that, you know, I I always look at it as if one person benefits, it's worth it. And so you've already said you have, and I have, and so it's already a win, we're having fun. And everybody else, I hope you listened and enjoyed this as well. And I'm pretty sure. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, only other thing I can say is if you need help, get help, yeah. whether it's me, whether it's Deanna, whether it's anybody, find someone you resonate with. Reach out. Find somebody who can be a guide for you. Yes. Find someone who can be a co-creation partner. Find mm-hmm. someone who can help you get that dream, that vision, yes. and that goal faster than you ever thought possible.
0: Yeah.
1: And you know, reach out if that's, uh, if that's me. And if it's not, I really wish everyone here a beautiful holiday season, a beautiful new year, And I deeply hope that the rest of your life is the best of your life.
0: Cool. Well, thank you for joining me today. It was really good. I really enjoyed it. So thank you. Thank you so much. All right. That's it for today. And there we go. Bye.